chapter two of trial and triumph by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two oh annette said mrs harcourt turning to her granddaughter after mr thomas had left the door what makes you so naughty why did you pour that oil on mrs larkin's steps didn't you know it was wrong annette stood silent looking like a guilty culprit why don't you answer me what makes you behave so bad i don't know grandma i specs i did it for the devil the preacher said the devil makes people do bad things the preacher didn't say any such thing he said the devil tempts people to be bad but you are not to mind everything the devil tells you to do if you do you will get yourself into a lot of trouble well grandma mrs larkins is so mean and cross and she is always telling tales on me and i just did it for fun well that is very poor fun you deserve a good whipping and i've a great mind to give it to you now why don't she let me alone she is all the time trying to get you to beat me she's a spiteful old thing anyhow i don't like her and i know she don't like me hush annette you must not talk that way of any one so much older than yourself when i was a child i wouldn't have talked that way about any old person don't let me hear you talk that way again you will never rest till i give you a good whipping yes ma'am said annette very demurely oh annette said her grandmother with a sudden burst of feeling you do give me so much trouble you give me more worry than all my six children put together but there's always one scabby sheep in the flock and you will be that one now get ready for school and don't let me hear any more complaints about you i'm not going to let you worry me to death annette took up her bonnet and glided quietly out of the door glad to receive instead of the threatened whipping a liberal amount of talk and yet the words struck deeper than blows her own grandmother had prophesied evil things of her she was to be the scabby sheep of the flock the memory of the blows upon her body might have passed soon away after the pain and irritation of the infliction were over but that inconsiderate prophecy struck deep into her heart and left its impress upon her unfolding life without intending it mrs harcourt had struck a blow at the child's self-respect one of the things which she should have strengthened even if it was ready to die annette had entered life sadly handicapped she was the deserted child of a selfish and unprincipled man and a young mother whose giddiness and lack of self-control had caused her to trail the robes of her womanhood in the dust with such an antenatal history how much she needed judicious but tender loving guidance in that restless sensitive and impulsive child was the germ of a useful woman with a warm loving heart ready to respond to human suffering capable of being faithful in friendship and devoted in love before that young life with its sad inheritance seemed to lay a future of trial and how much humanly speaking seemed to depend upon the right training of that life and the development within her of self-control self-reliance and self-respect there was no mother's heart for her to nestle upon in her hours of discouragement and perplexity 
no father's strong loving arms to shelter and defend her no sister to brighten her life with joyous companionship and no brother to champion her through the early and impossible period of ripening womanhood her grandmother was kind to her but not very tender and loving her struggle to keep the wolf from the door had absorbed her life and although she was neither hard nor old yet she was not demonstrative in her affections and to her a restless child was an enigma she did not know how to solve if the child were hungry or cold she could understand physical wants but for the hunger of the heart she had neither sympathy nor comprehension fortunately annette had found a friend who understood her better than her grandmother and who looking beneath the perverseness of the child saw in her rich possibilities and would often speak encouragingly to her annette early developed a love for literature and poetry and would sometimes try to make rhymes and string verses together and really mrs lassette thought that she had talent or even poetic genius and ardently wished that it might be cultivated and rightly directed but it never entered the minds of her grandmother and aunts that in their humble home was a rarely gifted soul destined to make music which would set young hearts to thrilling with higher hopes and loftier aspirations mrs lisette had been her teacher before she married after she became a wife and mother instead of becoming entirely absorbed in a round of household cares and duties the moment the crown of motherhood fell upon her as she often said she had poured a new interest into the welfare of her race with these feelings she soon became known as a friend and helper in the community in which she lived young girls learned to look to her for counsel and encouragement amid the different passages of their lives sometimes with blushing cheeks they whispered in to her ears tender secrets they did not always bring to their near relatives and young men about to choose their life work often came to consult her and to all her heart was responsive with this feeling of confidence in her judgment mr thomas had entered her home after leaving mrs harcourt's educated himself for a teacher he had spent several years in the acquisition of knowledge and was proving himself an acceptable and conscientious teacher when the change came which deprived him of his school by blending his pupils in the different ward schools of the city public opinion which moved slowly had advanced far enough to admit the colored children into the different schools irrespective of color but he was not prepared except in a few places to admit the colored teachers as instructors in the schools what are you going to do next inquired mrs lisette of mr thomas as he seated himself somewhat wearily by the fire i hardly know i am all at sea but i am going to be like the runaway slave who when asked where is your pass raised his fist and said dem is my passes and if i don't see an opening i will make one why don't you go into the ministry when mr pugh failed in his examination he turned his attention to the ministry and it is said that he is succeeding admirably mrs lisette i was brought up to respect the institutions of religion and not to lay rash hands on sacred things and while i believe that every man should preach christ by an upright life and chaste conversation yet i think one of the surest ways to injure a church and to make the pulpit lose its power over the rising generation is for men without a true calling or requisite qualifications to enter the ministry because they have failed in some other avocation and find in preaching an open door to success but they often succeed how 
why by getting into good churches increasing their congregations and paying off large church debts and is that necessarily success we need in the church men who can be more than financiers and who can attract large congregations we need earnest thoughtful christly men who will be more anxious to create and develop moral earnestness than to excite transient emotions now there is rev mr lampson who was educated in our college i have heard him preach to as i thought an honest well-meaning but an ignorant congregation and instead of lifting them to more rational forms of worship he tried to imitate them and made a complete failure he even tried to moan as they do in worship but it didn't come out natural of course it did not these dear old people whose moaning during service seems even now so pitiful and weird i think learn to mourn out in prayers thoughts and feelings wrung from their agonizing hearts which they did not dare express when they were forced to have their meetings under the surveillance of a white man it is because i consider the ministry the highest and most sacred calling that i cannot nay i dare not rush into it unless i feel impelled by the strongest and holiest motives you are right and i think just such men as you ought to be in the ministry are you calling me i wish it were in my power i am glad that it is not i think there are more in the ministry now than magnify their calling but mr thomas are you not looking on the dark side of the question you must judge of the sun not by its spots but by its brightness oh i did not mean to say that the ministry is crowded with unworthy men who love the fleece more than the flock i believe that there are in the ministry a large number who are the salt of the earth and whose life-work bears witness to their fitness but unfortunately there are men who seem so lacking in reverence for god by their free handling of sacred things now i think one of the great wants of our people is more reverence for god who is above us and respect for the man who is beside us and i do hope that our next minister will be a good man of active brain warm heart and christly sympathies who will be among us a living moral and spiritual force and who will be willing to teach us on the bible plan of line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little i hope he will be it is said that brother lomax our new minister is an excellent young man well i hope that we will not fail to receive him as an apostle and try to hold up his hands i hope so i think that to be called of god to be an ambassador for christ to help him build the kingdom of righteousness love and peace amid the misery sin and strife is the highest and most blessed position that a man can hold and because i esteem the calling so highly i would not rush into it unless i felt divinely commissioned End of chapter two